Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll be in John chapter 3. Uh, we stopped there in our last session. We're going to back up for a little bit of review, and then we're going to go on. And we're going to talk about Jesus' words, which he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Just exactly what that means. Praise God. So let's go ahead before the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we ask you now in Jesus' name, open our hearts, our minds to truth. Fill us, Lord, with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen and amen. Well, in John chapter 3, we're going to begin with a figure, a character of the Bible by the name of Nicodemus. Now, we talked about him last session. Uh, he was a, an honest inquirer. He was a man that was looking at the Lord Jesus with open eyes, amen, with an open heart, a curiosity, and he took it upon himself to be a representative of those within the Sanhedrin that were earnestly looking at Jesus as possibly being the one who is to come, in other words, the Messiah. And so we assume that this group uh, chose Nicodemus. Probably Nicodemus was one of the leaders of the Sanhedrin. This was a man that was uh, recognized. He was a holy man, according to the Jewish tradition. Uh, he was also, uh, history records, one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. So he would be a man of influence, a man of affluence, a man highly respected within the Jewish community. And so he was chosen to come to Jesus by night. Amen. Not during the day, but at night. And he was an honest and an earnest inquirer of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is uh, a very, to me, uh, John chapter 3 gives to us a picture of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and of the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And I tell you, if we could just emulate the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as much as we can, I know we can, we can never be equal to him, but we can certainly emulate his life and the way he ministered to people. He had a way of drawing attention to people's sin, to their in inequity, amen, before Almighty God, but in a way that drew men uh, to him. And I guess that's why the publicans and the sinners loved the Lord Jesus. And I guess that's why the religious people didn't, didn't like him at all. Amen. And of course, you know, in the course of John chapter 3, we're going to see why the religious world rejected the Lord Jesus. But we want to begin. We'll begin in verse 1. Notice it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Notice the, the terminology, what Nicodemus said, we know. And he also acknowledged that you are a teacher come from God. In other words, you're an, an anointed man of God. We know that. We recognize that. And uh, and then John, uh, rather, Nicodemus says, you know, no man can do these miracles. And we're talking about the miracles that he did, but primarily 
the miracle in Cana of Galilee. Uh, that was a notable miracle. Praise God. Amen. Uh, have any of you turned water into wine? Uh, I haven't. Praise the Lord. Amen. But Jesus sure did. And uh, so in verse 3, Jesus says, Verily, very, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing how Jesus just, he cut to the quick. He didn't beat around the bush. You know, Jesus told him, he said, you've got to be born again. Amen. And uh, it's interesting how that Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. But he didn't say that to the thief on the cross. The only thing he said to the thief on the cross is that today you will be with me in paradise. Because there was something in that thief, he recognized and believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's such an important feature in us coming to Christ and being saved. And so in verse 4, it says, And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what does this mean? Well, it means a couple things. Number one, it means that we have to be born into this world naturally by water. In order for us to be born again, twice born, I'll say it this way, twice born, born of the Spirit of God. But notice also that in the Word of God, water is used as a metaphor for the Word of God. So we need to be born again of the Word and of the Spirit. Amen. It's the Word that works, the gospel Word that works in us, perfecting that which concerns us. But now the outcome is that we must be born again of the Spirit of God. Amen. And then Jesus goes on and he says, this. he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Jesus said, do not marvel that how I said to you, you must be born again. So we need to be number one, we need to be born naturally. We need to be born into this world, but also in order for us to go to heaven, we got to be born spiritually. So that's why I said we have to be twice born. Amen. And then Jesus says this. He says, the wind blows where it lists and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it came from. You can't tell where it's going. And he says, so is everyone that is born of the spirit. So what Jesus is saying here, this thing is done in the spirit. You can't see it when it happens. But there is a witness, amen, that you have been touched. In other words, you can't see the wind when it's blowing in your face, but you certainly can feel the effects of it. Amen. So the wind can't be seen with the physical eyes and the work of the spirit can't be seen with the physical eyes. It can't be seen at that moment with the naked eye, but the effects of it can certainly be seen. And that's very important for us to understand. If we are truly born again, we're going to sense the effects of the new birth upon our life. We're going to notice a change. There's going to be a notable change on the inside of us. Amen. The new birth will cause change. 
And that change, first of all, will be witnessed inside. And then afterward, it will be noticed on the outside. Amen. And so the new birth takes place in the spirit. It takes place in the spirit realm, in the invisible realm. But now what are the effects of it? Well, to be born again means that we have peace with God. That means we've stopped fighting against him. War has ceased. We've raised our hands and surrender. And we've we've bowed our knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Another effect of being born again is that sin does no longer have dominion over us. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And also we have received the witness. And that witness is that we sense that we have been received, that we have received actually the spirit of adoption. In other words, we recognize now that God is our father and that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Amen. And also another effect of the new birth is that we now become and we begin to walk as children of light, not as children of darkness, children of light. In other words, we take an about face. We take a turn. Praise God. We were walking in darkness. Now we begin walking in light. Praise God. And then Nicodemus said in verse nine, how can these things be? Well, it's because Nicodemus says that because or said that rather because the natural man cannot receive the things of God. They have got to be revealed to him through the preaching of the gospel. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing to Nicodemus. He's opening up the eyes of Nicodemus heart. And so the first fact of being born again is that we have to acknowledge that we are sinners and we have to. Amen. This is very important. We have to take that initial step of faith when God opens up our heart and we begin to see God in a new way. We begin to see ourselves in a new way. Amen. Then we have to approach God. Amen. By faith. And God supplies that faith. Amen. He draws us. But now in the same way that he draws us, we have to be willing to be drawn. Amen. And so the second fact of being born again is that uh, we recognize and this is something that, that Nicodemus now is dealing with. We have to not depend upon our own good deeds that we have done, but we have to begin to look Jesus solely as the only one who can save us. And that comes apart from any good works that we've done. And so Jesus now, he says here in verses 10, he, and he answers Nicodemus and he says, you're a master of Israel and you don't know these things. It's almost like Jesus is marveling. And then he says, truly, we speak what we know. And testify what we have seen. That's a witness. Somebody who knows something and what he knows also is based upon what he's seen. And notice he says this to Nicodemus, and you do not receive our witness. In other words, Nicodemus is staggering in unbelief. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how can you believe me if I tell you of heavenly things? And so here's Nicodemus looking at Jesus, looking at his his person eyeball to eyeball. And he can't believe it. He's staggering in unbelief. 
And why is that? Well, it's because he's walking according to the course of this world, even though he's a holy man. Even though he's doing doing great, great service to the Israelite nation and he keeps he's keeping himself separate and he's not indulging in in uh, the outward sins. But he's still guilty. He's guilty of the sin of pride. He's guilty of the sin of unbelief. And so Jesus is saying, you know, how can I tell you of heavenly things if you don't, you know, if you don't receive our witness? See, that's such true. You've got to receive the witness of Jesus. You and I have to receive the witness of Jesus because before we can begin to see these heavenly things. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, no man has ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of God, which is in which is in heaven. Notice that. So Jesus is expressing his eternity with the father and the fact that he took upon himself human flesh and became like you and me. And then he says something that is striking. Notice in verse 14. And as Moses was lifted up, Let me say that again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Notice that even so must the son of man be lifted up. That's the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ to be lifted up. But how? Well, he used the type in the Old Testament of the brazen serpent that was raised up on a pole, which is a type of the sacrifice of Christ. Now, now notice this. Notice that Moses used brass. Brass is always used in the tabernacle as a type of sin. He used the serpent. And the serpent is always used as a type of Satan. And the Satan and the serpent are always used as synonyms of sin and rebellion. And so Satan is the ark rebel. And all those who refuse to follow Jesus are rebels. And that is the greatest issue in this world today is rebel spirits. Spirits who refuse to believe and refuse to accept in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And notice he also used the pole. Well, the pole is an emblem of the cross. So here we have in Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, we have the entire gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before it ever happened. The serpent on the pole, the cross, praise God. And notice that all who looked upon that serpent, all who looked upon the serpent on the pole, all who looked upon the serpent lived. Go back and read that section. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. See, to look upon is to have faith, to express faith in the Lord Jesus. And then he says something in verse 15 that whoever believes in him will not perish, should not perish, but have eternal life. Got to believe. Amen. So being born again is a heavenly thing. And this is what Nicodemus wanted to know. See, he was curious. He came to Jesus by night. He was an earnest inquirer, even though he didn't understand, even though he didn't have faith. Still, he wanted to know. So what happened? Jesus revealed himself to him. Anybody who is curious, anybody who is an honest inquirer of the things of God, the things of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus will reveal himself 
to him. I like what Smith Wigglesworth says many, many years ago. He says there's something about faith that will cause God to reach over, to jump over, leapfrog over a million people to get to that individual. And that has happened time and time and time again. So here's the third fact of being born again, that we have to accept the work that Jesus did on the cross personally, that it was the price paid for our individual, not just our individual sins, but of the nature of sin that uh, is reigning in our heart, in our life. And then the most probably one of the most famous, uh, most notable verses in the New Testament, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Notice that. Notice the love of God. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then Jesus says this, he that believes on him, the son of God, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In other words, the unbeliever is calling Jesus a liar. And basically what he's saying by his life, now he may not say this in words, but he's saying this by his life. I don't believe your record. You're a liar. I don't believe in the record of your son. And it's cloaked in different things, you know, like, well, we can't believe in the Bible. It's full of errors or you know, that's just, you know, that's just a church. I'm not a church person or, you know, and I just, uh, uh, you know, I don't believe in preachers and I don't believe in going to church and all that stuff. You know, just a multitude of excuses. But what it boils down to is rebellion and unbelief. What it all boils down to is that sinners do not believe in God's record of his son. And that's what they're going to be judged for. Amen. And that's why I have this radio program to persuade sinners to look at Jesus through the eyes of faith. Amen. And allow that drawing. See, when we come under conviction, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God drawing us to the cross. And notice again what Jesus says here. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And notice in verse 19, he says, and this is the condemnation. This is the judgment. That light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is why Jesus said in verse 18, but he that does not believe is condemned already because he is already pass judgment upon himself because light is coming to the world and men would rather love darkness than light. And the reason why is because their deeds are evil and they're not willing to give up their deeds. There's a lot of people in this world that think they're good enough to go to heaven. I know and I've heard so-called Christians confess, you know, that I'm a believer, but yet in works, they totally deny Jesus. If you're going to let, let me say this and then we'll move on. The base and foundation of Christian life is separation and holiness. 
That comes through being born again. Christians who are not separate from the world and are not holy do not live holy lives. In other words, they practice sin as a way of life. They cannot be born again. There's no way that you can equate a sinner, somebody being a sinner, and at the same time being born again. Now, born again people do make mistakes. They do fall sometimes. They do sin. But that is not their pattern of life. That's an exception, not the rule. And then, of course, Jesus goes on and he says this, For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit when the gospel is preached. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe on Jesus. Of righteousness, because Jesus has done the righteous act of death, burial, and resurrection. He's being raised and he's seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. If if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you're listening to this broadcast today, understand this, that you are standing in the judgment of the God of this world. That's Satan. The judgment that he will be judged with is the same judgment that you're going to be judged with because you you have joined yourself. You are joined to him. That's why you must be separated. That's why Paul said this, you know, talking to the church at Colossae, we have been translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. See, the only way that can happen is through the new birth, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. See, that's why people hate the gospel. Because the gospel penetrates their heart, their evil heart, and the Holy Spirit begins to reprove them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And they don't want that. And that's sad. Oh, I'm telling you, that's sad. I was like that. I was like that up until October the 13th, 1971. And I just thank God. I thank God. I thank God the gospel was preached by a faithful evangelist and God penetrated my heart. Amen. Praise God. Verse 21 says, but he that does truth comes to the light. The righteous deed coming to the light is acknowledge the fact that we are sinners. We're outside of the will and the purpose of God. And we're coming in surrender and receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. And that's the dual purpose of Christ's coming. Number one, to pay our sin debt on the cross. We couldn't, that's a debt we couldn't pay ourselves, but Jesus paid it for us. And that not only did Jesus come to pay our sin debt, but through faith in him, he came to grant us eternal life. So to be born again means to receive the life and the nature of God on the inside of us, that which is done invisibly. That's what we can't see, amen, but we can certainly witness it. It does have an effect upon us, amen. And of course, Jesus told the disciples there at that upper room discourse, he says, the Holy Spirit, the comforter who's going to come in my place, amen, 
He is with you, but soon he will be in you. And of course, the Holy Spirit came the night of Jesus' resurrection when Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So all of these verses, they're all in response to Nicodemus' question, how can these things be? Amen. How can these things be? Well, Jesus just explained it to him. Praise God. And so this is the fourth fact of being born again, that we repent of sin. We surrender to Christ. We receive him absolutely as Savior and Lord. We're not looking back. We're going forward. Amen. We're not looking back. We're not going for, well, you know, I'm going to try this for 30 days, and if it doesn't work, I want my money back. No, this is an absolute surrender. We're not going back. We're going forward. Now, I don't know what it's going to cost me. Don't care. I choose Jesus. You see. And this goes on every day in the third world. People are having to give up everything that they have. Sometimes even losing family in order that they might be born again. Praise God. So being born again is the new birth. We become a child of God through the new birth. Eternal life takes hold of us inside of us. We overcome the God of this world and we're given a power and authority to do the work of Jesus. Amen. So now we have the ability through Christ to live the abundant life. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. See, Jesus said, if you believe me, he says, you have eternal life. Amen. You have everlasting life. And James tells us that our soul is saved from death. And that's not physical death. That's talking about eternal death. Talking about the second death. If you want to know what the second death is, read uh, Revelation chapter 20 and chapter 21. He tells us, John tells us by revelation what the second death is. And then John, uh, John again tells us that being born again means that we've passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. Eternal death to eternal life. Praise God. Amen. And notice what John said. He says, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the right and the privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that call upon his name. What an honor and a privilege to know that Jesus has chosen us, praise God. And we responded to that choosing. Amen. Hallelujah. And we say, you know, that we choose Jesus. Well, we can say that. But actually, it was Jesus that chose us. Amen. Praise God. And we've been saved by grace through faith. Amen. And also, we come to realize that it's the spirit that gives life. It's not the flesh that gives life. The flesh, we have life in the flesh, but that flesh is terminal. Understand that. That flesh is terminal. It's coming to an end one day. But Jesus said, I give my flesh, I give my blood. I do that because whoever believes in the work I did on the cross, he will be given life through the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. And of course, in order for us to be born again, we've got to be born again by the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't come anyway. So I like that uh, what Jesus said about being born again by the water and by the spirit. 
It's the word of God that leads us. It's the Holy Spirit that confirms the word with signs following. And what is that sign that follows? It's the new birth. Praise God. So if you truly want to be born again today, then start reading and start hearing and listening to the word of God. God will speak to your heart. Amen. And if you're an earnest inquirer, God will reveal himself to you. Amen. He revealed himself to Nicodemus and he will reveal himself to you. So, Heavenly Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, in the word of God that has gone forth out of my mouth today, Lord, carry it into the ear of everyone that hears this broadcast, Father God, and do a work in their heart and mind. And Lord, we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.